All right, good morning, I mean, good afternoon, sorry, or evening, everybody. Uh, my name's Dave Everett, wife Sherry, thank you for, uh, welcome to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. As we continue our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, we just thank you for joining us tonight. Just so you know, all of our Bible... <coughs> Excuse me. Our... All of our Bible studies are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And um, we just thank you also for all of our partners who have financially supported us financially through our website, lighthousediscipleship.org. It's our website. Anyway, I uh, feel like I'm just getting my thoughts together. I've been battling with a, a computer, some computer issues today, so bear with me. I'm just trying to get into another groove and another mindset right now. So I've been uh, wrestling with some things on uh, the computer-oriented. Computer and so, um, anyway, so uh, just bear with us. Sorry, I'm dealing with a puppy, and uh, so... Um, Bear with us about that too. So, but like I'm apologizing for a lot of stuff right now. So anyway, uh, <coughs> excuse me. So anyway, hopefully we'll get into a groove here. Uh, we are going to be still in chapter three tonight, talking about Satan's inroads, and we'll be in the <coughs> section heading "The Viper in the House." So that will be our section heading. This morning and this afternoon. Otherwise, I, I can't even get the time straight. I don't even feel like I can talk straight right now. So, anyway, talk about a viper in the house, and uh, we'll be talking about Satan's inroads in our lives. So, um, you know, this whole teaching about believers' authority is not one that I necessarily uh, really grew up with or hearing. I heard about spiritual authority and more so spiritual warfare. But not so much from the position of, that we have authority. And, uh, you know, as believers, we have authority. A lot of people just don't, have never been taught that. I've never come to understand that. And, uh, you know, <coughs> we're, not, we're not fighting for victory. We're, victory. we're fighting from victory. Big difference. You know, we're not, uh, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. We already have the victory in Christ Jesus. There's several scriptures we can talk about. We already have the victory in Christ Jesus. Ephesians talks about that quite a bit. But at the same point in time, you know, a lot of people are fighting for victory. They're trying to get God to do something. Well, God's already done it at the cross. We just need to believe it and use our authority, use what he's given us. And, uh, and through that, we can see uh, the sick healed. We can see the, devil's, the devil cast out. We can raise the dead. We can do all kinds of things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There's nothing that's impossible for him who believes. We have authority. Now, we can't, we can't abuse that authority. Like a cop, he can't misuse that. He or she can't misuse that authority and take the law in their own hands. They can't be, uh, you know, um, judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, that's not their job. But they can uphold the law. Whatever's behind that badge, they can have authority to uphold the law. And there's protocol for how they do all that, you know. Um, every time a, a cop shoots a gun, there's going to be an investigation, making sure they did everything right and, and whatnot. So, anyway, we have authority. 
And that authority, you know, uh, right now we've been talking about here on the front end of things, we've been talking about how, you know, we can talk about authority left and right, but if we're letting the enemy in the back door while we're trying to get him out the front door, you know, he's just going to go around the house, come right back in. And so some of us, some of our behaviors, attitudes, uh, some of the, our influences, involvement are just letting the enemy into our lives. And that's just not good. You know, uh, we have authority, but we also need to know how to not give place to the devil and not give place to the enemy in our lives and give him inroads into our lives. And so it's counterproductive to uh, rebuke the devil when you're just letting him right back in. And so, uh, so there's something that we can be mindful of that so we can live, not only be victorious, but live victorious. Uh, and, you know, uh, our, not only so we can get victory, but we, we can live in victory. And I'm not saying just because we live in victory, we're not going to have problems. You know, you know there, Jesus said it's, it's impossible that, uh, uh, how do you say it? Um, in this world, you will have tribulation. And he also said it's impossible that offenses won't come. Uh, I think that's in uh, Luke chapter 17. Anyway, it's just, uh, uh, there's going to be issues. There, we live in a fallen world. You know, we're not fallen. We're, we're, we're raised together with Christ. I was just talking about that on Sunday. But at the same point in time, uh, there's problems in this world. And we have an enemy. We need, And that was chapter 1 that we talked about. We need to realize we have an enemy. We are in a war. You know, when when you're in a war, the enemy doesn't play fair. Uh, you know, we have an enemy and we need to realize that. And so uh, we need to be... Uh, we we not at the same point in time we don't need to be just defensive. We can also be offensive too. And we're going to get into that a little bit later in our study. And so um, anyway, Sherry's going to read for us. Like I said, we're in chapter three, uh, talking about the viper in the house. Uh, the chapter three is talking about Satan's inroads, and then in the section heading. We're towards the end of the chapter. We didn't quite finish last week, so we'll probably go into chapter four tonight. Uh, the viper in the house. And just to piggyback on what Dave was sharing about victory <clears throat> and and the believer's authority, which we're studying in, in Andrew's book, you know, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's how we have the victory, is because not only is Jesus in us, but because of what he did at the cross, how he overcame sin, he overcame the devil, he overcame death, uh, all that has won one sacrifice on the cross. And, you know, it was, it was a tremendous, I mean, we can't even put a price on what Jesus paid for all of us to have this victory and he brought, and he took back the authority that Adam and Eve lost that we as God's creation and created in his image were supposed to have but now because of Jesus's victory because he is uh, not only risen from the, the dead but he is seated at the right hand of God with full authority and he has given that back to us so um, Viper in your house? Question mark. <laughs> Do you treat strangers better than your own family? Many people wouldn't dare to treat me the way that 
that they treat their own children, yet they wonder, why am I having these problems with my kids? Yell at me, go make your bed, you lousy kid. Scream at me, why haven't you done this yet? And see how our relationship gets along. If that's how you treat your family, you have a double standard. When you blast your family members, the people you're supposed to love more than anybody else, it's no wonder you're dealing with rebellion, strife, and division. If you want godly relationships, you have to start guarding your tongue. You have to realize that you can't tolerate such strife. Satan comes in through the doors of envy and strife and works every evil work in your life. Would you allow a poisonous snake to run loose in your house? If it got into the heating vent, perhaps you wouldn't see it for a week or two. But if you knew it was still lurking there somewhere, you'd probably say, I don't care how long it takes, I'm not going to live in a house with a dangerous venomous viper on the loose. It might not be an intimate, immediate threat, but if you never knew just where it was hunting, strife is much more deadly than a poisonous snake. Along with envy, strife opens up an inroad for every evil work in your life. It's time you step out of complacency and recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. You can't tolerate envy, strife, unforgiveness, or any other negative emotion. Some people look at pornographic images, images and think, well, I'll never act that out. Every time you indulge your flesh, you are releasing spiritual powers into your life. As you give more and more of a place to the devil, I guarantee that it'll cost you something. Sin will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. Every one of us is exposed to the forces of the kingdom of darkness each and every day. We aren't on R&R, rest and, re and relaxation. We aren't in a secured area where our actions don't really count. We're in a spiritual battle with a real enemy who wants to take advantage of us any way he can. So, you know, again, we have a real enemy, you know, and I, I like this analogy of the viper, you know. Uh, would you, I mean, if, if you just, you might not know where the viper's at, but if you knew he was in the house, would you just like, you know, well, oh well, <laughs> you know. Are you going to, are you not going to let a stone unturned? You're going to call the pest control or whatever you got to do. You're going to make sure that viper gets out and he's going to get out. No one goes to bed till he, we get that viper out of the house. And yet sometimes we indulge in other things with not, with not the same ur urgency. And some other things are more deadly. You know, it might not be deadly in a, in a physical sense, in one sense that you might think. Uh, but it's deadly. You know, it will, uh, there's a lot of things that are just, you're, you're, when there's envy and strife, you're opening the door to every evil work. And I know a lot of people don't understand how to believe that. But that, just because you don't understand or believe it doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, you, the, I, the Word of God is true. And the Word of God says when there's envy and strife, there's, you open the door for every evil work. Not just some evil work. A viper is only one thing. But every evil work. You know, and I like how he starts out. You know, sometimes we treat strangers better than we treat our families, our loved ones. And then we wonder why we have problems in the home. <laughs> In the family, well, just strife and envy, and with just strife and envy, you're gonna have every evil work, and so, <coughs> you know, the Bible uh, in the same chapter, chapter three, the beginning of the chapter, James talks about how the tongue is an unruly member, 
you know, the tongue being on. Un- James didn't just t- change topics when he talked about the tongue, and then when he went into envy and strife and every every evil work, he's on the same topic. He's just taking that using an analogy, and so. No, we need to go to heart and mouth, you know. And and if if envy and strife is coming out of your mouth and your attitude, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And we need God to to get a hold of our heart and we need to get our focus back on God. Kinda of goes with our Sunday night Bible study effortless change. We need to be seeking God day and night to get our focus on him and off ourselves and in and Whatever's causing that envy and strife, I think I believe at the, at the root of envy and strife, there's it's just uh, selfishness, uh, pride. You know, pride goes before fall. Um, you know, it just it's, it's self-centeredness. It's hard to be angry at somebody when you're selfless. You know, the Bible says that that that, that I forget exactly how it phrases it, but uh, without um. I forget exactly how it says it, so I'm just going to rephrase it. Uh, the, you know, the root of all contention is pride. <laughs> you can't have contention without pride. It doesn't exist. That's a proverb. I'm, I know I'm quoting that, I'm not quoting exactly right as far as how it goes, but the, the, the principle is exactly the same, what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you can't have contention without pride. Pride is a source of all tension. And so, and we, 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 we might not think it that, that way, you know. I have my rights. Well, that's pride. <laughs> that's selfishness. The key operative word there is my, 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 you know. You know, we are a servant all. And I'm not saying we are a, a punch bag to everybody. I'm not saying we are a doormat to everybody. But it's not about my, my, my. Jesus gave us his son. How can we not also give one to one another? And so and so people do take advantage of us. And I'm not saying that we necessarily have to be uh, a bullseye for people. At the same point in time, you know, we have to learn how to love and be merciful and forgiving. And, uh, and, and with the long suffering, which is part of the fruit of the spirit, because that's who we are. And so, anyway, I can get, it. but you know, uh, you know, it talks about envy and strife. And I keep focusing on that, but let, let me re- read the rest of the chapter, James chapter three. Really, James has been comparing two kinds of wisdom: a wisdom of the world that's earthly, sensual, demonic, and then he goes and talks about the wisdom that's from above. So verse 16 says again, but that where there's envy and strife, where, even, even, where envy and strife exists, confusion and every evil work is there. <coughs> and in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And I've done a study on that fruit of righteousness before. There's a verse in Proverbs, I think it's 11, verse 30, where the fruit of righteousness is like the tree of life. You know, the same tree of life that Adam and Eve partook of before the fall is the, is the fruit of righteousness. And folks, that's a, that's a short, we're talking about believers' authority. Us believers, we can be pure, peaceable, willing to be entreated, willing to yield. You know, we can be for mercy without partiality, without hypocrisy, sowing peace. That's, that's who we are. That's not just what we do. That's who we are in Christ. And so anything opposite of that, anything different than that, is earthly, sensual, and it's demonic. And so uh, anyway, it's, it's opening a road for every evil work and confusion. And so and that's not who we are. So. And you know, the the opposite of every evil work and confusion and strife is walking together uh, as the body of, of Christ, as believers in the unity of the faith and unity in love. And so many times Paul uh, has, uh, in his letters, has prayed for the churches and so many times he's praying for love and unity pretty much in every prayer he prays and it's interesting in colossians chapter 2 you know he's he's talking about his desire his prayer that uh, verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining to all riches riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mysteries of god both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. You know, he's talking about the wisdom that that uh, Dave was talking about. But again, it's it's Paul's prayer that that he wants us so much to walk in love and unity. But how to do that is we need to have the understanding of what the mystery of God is, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him resurrected. I mean, that's that's. That's the mystery that he revealed to us. But if you read further down, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You know, there right there is the antidote, is the uh, uh, directions on how to do this, is to walk in in him the same way we received him realizing what he's done who he is and who we are in him and who we all are you know i i i can understand that for myself but when i also understand it that the same way that god looks at me is how he's he's created and looks at everyone else in that uh, as a believers we're all righteous we're all holy we're all loved and uh, I can love the body of Christ because Christ has not only loved me but forgiven me, and that I can walk in that towards uh, towards others. Very good, very good. So let's read the last little section here in chapter three: uh, "Raised from the dead." God's word says, "Neither give place to the devil." Ephesians four twenty-seven. You. <coughs> You are the one who gives Satan inroads into your life. He takes whatever place you give him through your thoughts, words, emotions, and actions. 
Your emotions can give Satan a place. Perhaps every once in a while you feel like you should just give in and let your guard down. It would just feel good to have a pity party. I've felt that way before. One night my older son called on the telephone and told me that my younger son had died. Immediately my wife and I agreed in prayer, spoke our faith, and commanded him to come back to life. As we got dressed and drove the hour into Colorado Springs, I had some negative emotions. I felt like, how long can you stand? How long can you be strong? Every once in a while, you just need to run up the white flag of surrender and let it out. Why not just gripe and complain? However, I knew that if I started speaking forth my fears and unbelief, that it would have negated my faith. Even though I felt like saying, we've lost this one, we're beaten, let's give up and quit. I started building myself up and speaking positive words like, he will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you're a good God. I love you. All the glory to Jesus. We arrived in Colorado Springs at the hospital to discover that God had raised him from the dead. He had been dead for almost five hours, but about five minutes or so after received that phone call from my older son, my younger son just sat up and started talking right there on the slab in the hospital morgue. Praise Jesus. I firmly believe that if I had given in to and vented my negative emotions, we wouldn't have seen the victory. If I had spoken forth my frustration and complained, saying, It's not fair, my son wouldn't have been raised from the dead. Satan will take advantage of whatever we give him. We are often hung by our own tongue. You know, there's, there's so much here. I was uh, <clears throat> looking up the context for this verse in Ephesians 4:27. Now to give place to the devil. And in context here, I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing, but Paul's talking about basically envy and strife again. You know, he's talking about be angry and do not sin. Do not let your son fall down on your wrath. And that's a whole other teaching that some people take out of context. Let him who stole steal no more. I'm just skimming through this a little bit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, and, uh, but what is good for necessary edification, that you may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed the day of the redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's a lot of strife stuff that he's talking about there among things. And in the middle of all that, towards the beginning, but he says, nor give place to the devil. And I think I can take that two ways. There's a lot of things we can give place to the devil. But behaving like this with envy and strife, that's giving place to the devil. You know, and, and so it fits in the context. And so at the same point in time, you know, when we, we shouldn't be giving place to the devil. Now, you know, he also talks about in Philippians chapter 4, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, excuse me, et cetera, et cetera, think on these things. And I think, you know, uh, if we allow our mind to wander, uh, you know, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusts in him. And if you don't keep your mind stayed upon him, you're not going to have perfect peace. And and you can give place to the devil. And there's this time, you know, we... we we hear a lot of uh, healing testimonies and, and destiny testimonies from Andrew's ministry, specifically, and other, other ministries too. But one thing that's very a common thread in all of these testimonies is that they were in the Word of God. They got their heart geared and focused on believing and believing and believing the Word of God. 
<coughs> if it was healing, they, they, they studied the scriptures over and over again about healing. If it was finances, they studied the scriptures over and over about finances. Whatever the case was, that's what they focused on. And because they didn't want their mind to stray from uh, whatever they were believing God for. And they didn't want to give place to the devil. And giving the place to the devil could be, as Andrew was kind of talking here, where he was even tempted at times from the enemy to just give up, throw in the white towel. And, you know, there's been so many times we have as we have pastored people. They're going through, through a trial. You know, the ones that are hard, uh, it's been a challenge is the longevity of that problem. When we get a quick answer, it's, it's easy to, to minister there. But when the when the problem is being persistent and it's being resistant to uh, whatnot, and, and you know, and it could be the trial of your life, whatever the case may be. And I'm not necessarily faulting the person. But at the same point in time, you know, I understand sometimes you just grow weary and doing well. Sometimes you just get tired of fighting. You know, it's kind of like Air, uh, Moses with his hands up. Sometimes you just get tired and you got to have a break and you got to have an Aaron and her to come encourage you. I understand sometimes you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I, I get that. But the moment that we let our hands down, the moment we quit, the moment we grow weary and doing good, the enemy begins to win. Just like Joshua, when Moses put his hands down, the enemy was winning. When his hands were up, the they, the Israelites were winning. But the but the moment we give up, the moment we 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 just we surrender to the enemy, we just gave place to the enemy. You can't surrender. You can't just give up, give in to the enemy, and not 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 give place to the enemy. That it's the same thing. And so, you know, we are we are in a war, and it's called a fight of faith. We are in a fight. And in the fight, you can't just give up. Up, you can't just put your, uh, uh, your 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 arms down. I uh, forget exactly how Edmund said it in Narnia, the Prince Caspian episode. But uh, uh, when uh, they were fighting, I won a battle with Peter and the king. But he said, "This is not a time for chivalry." I don't know exactly how he said it, but you know, uh, when you're in a, in a fight, there's, it's not you know, it's a war. It's either him or you, uh, and so um, you know, just uh, we 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 can give place to the devil. Obviously, what we've been talking about with envy and strife, but we can also give place to the devil because we just give up, and you know we can't do that. And at the same point in time, it's easy to give up when you're fighting by yourself, but it's harder to give up when you are surrounding yourself with the body of Christ, pastors and different people who love you and care for you are going to fight with you. Um, you know, it's just easy to surrender when you're in this battle all alone. It was easy for Moses to just put his hands down, but Moses wasn't alone. He had Aaron and her, and we're in a fight, and we're going to fight this together. And so... Uh, but when you isolate yourselves, you know, when you run out of steam, when you run out of faith, when you just eh, get to your wit's end, you got no one to lift you up. And that's a, uh, that's a, I know there's some Psalms and Proverbs about that. You know, uh, one of those who fall can't, doesn't have someone to help them up. I know there's a, a proverb along those lines, you know, we, we need one another. And there's, there's things that God has given us. We, he's given us the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, even Andrew wanted to give in his flesh did or was tempted to, but the Holy he was praying in the Holy Spirit. He was the Holy Spirit was helping him. His helper, his friend, the Holy Spirit was helping him to carry on, and he saw the victory, you know. And so, um, and I understand it, it, it's getting tired. It's like that movie Facing the Giants, you know, when the, the coach was coach was teaching uh, Brock that one of the head defensive men, and he just said he he, he taught him. Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! I know that. I know it's aching. I know it's. I know it's hard. But don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! He was teaching him a lesson. We was teaching all of us a lesson. There's a sign that we want to quit, and when we quit, we just let the enemy win, and we just can't quit. Don't 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 quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! And that you know there was there was there was game, especially that last game. They were playing a team that was three times their size. Uh, and whatnot, stronger, bigger, fatter, more people on the team. And yet, there was times when, especially towards the end, you know, he just didn't know if he could go any farther. But he was taught, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. David was taught, don't quit when the lion comes. Don't quit when the bear comes. Don't quit when Goliath comes. Don't quit, don't quit. And so the battle is the Lord's. So anyway. Amen. Anything else? Well, let's go jump on over to chapter 4. And I think it's entitled No Wicked Thing. And so kind of on, on the same same uh, mindset, but from another, uh, another avenue. So. There are times in life when we just feel like speaking forth our ne- negative thoughts and emotions. In light of the spiritual battle, however, these are times we must exercise our faith and self-control. In Matthew 6.31, the Lord reveals to us at what point we take a thought for our own. Take no thought saying. A thought becomes your own when you begin speaking it out of your mouth. You can't keep all kinds of thoughts from coming across your mind. When I found out my son was dead, thoughts of grief, fear, and panic crossed my mind. I'm human just like anybody else. Yet you can keep from taking those thoughts as your own. Kenneth E. Hagen used to say you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from landing there and building a nest. Negative thoughts will come at times, but you don't have to receive them. They don't have to become a part of you. If you don't say it, it won't be yours. You know, uh, recently, well, recently, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, Ashley and Carly Teradez have... um, have newsletters uh, so often, and one of them a while ago was ab- about this this thing about thoughts and uh, you know thoughts coming in your head and and it's kind of like this this quote that Andrew was sharing about you know you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from you know building a nest on your head. Um, their analogy, Ashley and Carly Teradez, was. It's kind of like an airport. You have all these airplanes coming in to, to, to land or to take off, but you're kind of like the control tower. A, a plane might be coming in, that thought might be coming in, but you don't have to give them access and the freedom to land. You can say, I'm sorry, you cannot land on my runway, and you have to, you have to leave. So the thoughts, like the planes you know, wanted to come in, but they said we can. Take every thought captive and choose which ones we allow to land and 
meditate on and dwell on or say, no, you have to find another airport to land in. Uh, uh, just like uh, in the garden, you, you know, you can't always control whether some weeds try to come in, but you can control whether that, those weeds are going to overtake the lawn and overtake the garden. And you can't come out and pluck those weeds out. You have that authority. You might not be able to control the birds and the bees planting some weed seed in your garden or in your lawn, but you can say, you know what, that's not going to be the dominant seed that's in my garden or in my grass. My grass is going to be the dominant seed. My whatever I planted in my garden is going to be the dominant seed. And so whatever you whatever you meditate on day and night, you know, whatever, you know, you, you can't always control the temptation or the thought from coming, but you don't have to mull it over. You know, you can, uh, and when you're keeping your mind stuck, that's why you need to have a regular diet uh, of keeping your mind stayed on Him and church, worship, the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. And because, you know, uh, sometimes our minds just wander. I mean, just going about throughout the day when we're working, driving, you know, taking a shower, laying on our bed. Uh, you know, uh, and then at the end of the day, you're just relaxing. Our minds can just wander. And then we can, and a thought comes. I mean, sometimes a thought comes out of the middle of nowhere. But if we mull that over and just continue to water that seed and feed that seed and fertilize that seed, you know, we can, we can, we, we, we're now owning that thought and, and, and whatnot. And, if we let it go too long, that, that seed gets bigger. You know, it, every big tree in the forest didn't start out as just a little tree. Of course, God did create trees that were full full nature, but at the same point in time, it started with a seed and became, you know, most trees started out with a seed and then a, a little stem and then, and then big, that stem eventually became a big trunk, you know, and uh, whatnot. And so, you know, and some people, some of the thoughts, they're just big oak trees that need to be plucked out. And it's harder to, it's hard, it's easier to pluck out a weed when it started, but it's harder to pluck out something when it's a big oak tree or a palm tree or whatever tree you want to put a label on. And it's just, uh, you know, but uh, we can't control, I like the analogy of the planes. You know, you, you can't control uh, the, the uh, traffic control c control tower doesn't have control of all the planes planes in the air, but they do have authority over that airport, and uh, and they, you have to get permission to land and when you can land in that airport, and so um, you know, and so anyway, we we just uh, uh, I've known that about Kenneth Hagen. You know, he said that he can't control a bird flying over your head, but you can control whether it's going to build a nest, nest in your head. You know, it takes a while for a bird to build a nest in your head. So, I mean, you can obviously have some control of controlling whether a bird's going to stay that long in your head. And I don't even know if I've ever had a bird land on my head. But at the same point in time, you know, he's not going to stay there. As cute as it might be, you know, it's not going to stay there. So, you know, Paul in in Second Corinthians chapter ten, he, he talks about uh, taking our thoughts captive, and I'll start Second uh, Corinthians ten, start with verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, I mean, Paul addresses it very clearly. We have been given weapons for our warfare, and they're not carnal, fleshly, they're not... uh, destructible but these weapons of our warfare are mighty in god for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing you know every every thought that takes precedence over what christ has done can be a stronghold just uh, like andrew's story about his son that could have been a stronghold in andrew's life if he dwelt on it oh your son is dead you know dwelling on that you know if something bad happens in my life or in the past when I would get sick, you know, that would be my, my first thought, you know, or, or when we went through the financial famine, you know, years ago, you know, my my thought process at times would be in fear and, and oh my gosh, we're going to go back into that and, you know, we're going to lose everything and not have money to pay bills and, you know, that the list goes on. I had to come and attack those thoughts from becoming strongholds in in my mind and rebuke them and say no and I and I'd go back to God's word and I'd go back to the testimony of what God has done in my life. You know, the Israelites went through a lot just from getting away from Pharaoh and his army to get to the promised land and uh, there were times when when they were told to to take rocks and to set them up as a pillar as a remembrance as a reminder of what God has done so even when their kids would come and say hey you know what is this what are, where are these rocks piled up it was to remind them of what God has done and you know so many times we need to be reminded of wait a minute God pulled me out of this you know, five years ago, he will do the same uh, for this new thing I'm going through. You know, it's it's all the victory, all our weapons, everything we need for life and victory is in God's word. We just <coughs> we just need to to let God's word have authority in us, so that we as believers can act out with that authority. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's read some more. Uh, Hung by the tongue. Satan passes thoughts, feelings, and attitudes across our hearts and minds. So how do we prevent these, excuse me, these seeds from taking root, beginning to grow, and then producing the negative crop he desires? We just saw how we take no thought, saying, If you don't say it, then it's not yours. However, the moment you start verbalizing and speaking forth these negative things, they become yours and begin releasing this negative power in your life. You need to take on this attitude. I refuse to speak forth anything contrary to what I'm believing for. Some people are believing for healing. They've asked God to heal them and they're confessing, I believe I'm healed, despite the fact that they haven't seen the physical manifestation yet. But when someone calls them on the phone and asks, how are you doing? They respond by telling the person how bad they feel. Without realizing it, they have just (coughs) released a negative spiritual force. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 You can't only just speak life with your tongue. 
you can also speak death. Sadly, the truth is that most of us release much more death than life. We counter ourselves with our own words. We're hung by the tongue. Yeah, it's a very, <coughs> very simple thing, you know. And uh, words, words are powerful. We, yeah, I know sometimes we don't understand that. But, uh, I mean, there's an old saying, sticks and stones can break your bo my bones, but words can never hurt me, which is totally false. Um, it's totally false. It's not the opposite. It's very true. But at the same point in time, you know, there's this proverb that's, that I used to quote all the time, but death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, uh, you know, you, again, going back to our previous thought, you can't guard a thought from coming into you, you but you can own it by saying it, you know. And uh, I just refuse to, to claim I'm sick, you know. And, uh, um, you know, it's not just magical words. We're not just trying to deny something. I'm not trying to deny anything. I'm believing the truth. I believe in God's word. The facts, and I used to teach this all the time, but the facts can say something. But when, and to say uh, my iPad is a facts, but this is the truth. And the facts don't line up with the truth. Guess which one has to change? The truth is never going to change. But the facts can change. And if the facts don't, I do not line with the word of God. I, by the authority of this word, I command the, the facts to line up with the word of God. That's authority. That's how the word works. That's how authority works. And so, I'm not. Sometimes the fact, the truth says this, but the facts and things in this. And when we give into it, we are in a sense saying, "Let the facts control the the word," and that's not true. No, the truth is true. And the truth has the authority to change the facts. Your body may be sick <coughs> or have sick symptoms, but the Bible says by his stripes you're healed. Well, which one's going to change? This is never going to change. But this must change by one authority, the word. That I might be have lack of money to do what God's <coughs> called me to do. But my Bible says, my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's more scriptures I can bring about by hearing and, and finances. Guess which one has to change? God's going to supply my needs to do so I can do what God's called me to do. And I can, I can use the same principle for other things. And so, uh, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth can't set you free if you don't know it. But if you know the truth, you have the authority to command things to line up to work. Jesus did that. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus walked on water. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus uh, did all kinds of stuff with the power of the tongue. Because he understood this principle. He understood. And so, uh, you know, he when he said the storm be still, peace be still, he expected it to be, be still. I don't, you know... And so, we have the same authority as he does, because Christ is in us, and Christ has risen from the dead, and there's so much I can elaborate on that. You know, it's interesting uh, watching kids grow up with, when they're toddlers, because they're learning about life, they're, you know, exploring, and everything is a, an adventure to them, but they're observing gr the grown-ups, the big people in their life, and, and then they follow, they imitate 
what's going on. You know, just my little nephew, he's, he's two, um, he's seen everyone uh, do the laundry before. So uh, there was one day when my older niece was, was doing something in her room and, and he came in and, and she was, you know, hey, you know, can you like uh, put this in, in the laundry basket for me? Well, his little two-year-old mind was like, okay, well, that's all fine and good that it's in the laundry basket, but I'm going to take sister's laundry. And he went and he actually put it in the dryer and turned the dryer on. You know, granted it's dirty clothes and he forgot the step of putting it in the wash first, which he's too young to, you know, deal with the, the soap. But everyone was like so amazed that this, this little boy uh, was like, wow, you know, he, he had, he just, he, he watched, he observed and he was able to do it. And, and there's so many things that, that toddlers can do. And, you know, if we took that story, if we just observed and meditated on God and his word, just like the little two-year-old that could do, do laundry now, you know, what, what a, what a life change that would be you know we we have to realize I mean there's some things that we can take for granted that we we do or say or our spouse or someone does or say and we, and we don't have to think about it but then we go and uh, maybe tell our our Alexa hey Alexa play some music for me you know we, we don't we don't have to stop and think gee I hope it works uh, I wonder if it'll work this time. Uh, maybe if I like do it this way, we no, we just, I mean, just like a, uh, stopping at a, uh, a light, you know, when it's, when it turns yellow, you slow down. When it turns red, you stop. When it turns green, you, you go and you don't, you don't have to like, Oh gee, I, I don't know if it's going to work where if it turns green for me, it'll turn red for the, the, the opposing traffic. You just, oh, it turns green. It's my turn to go. You, you don't think about it. Well, that's how easy our authority in Christ is supposed to work. Wait, wait a minute. Jesus already took care of this at the cross. He paid for it in full. It's not my bill anymore. You know, if um, we were laughing at a joke on Facebook that uh, it was a silly thing, but the, the, the picture, caption, whatever you call it, was like, you know, why are the utility companies uh, m making me prove who I am? If someone else calls to pay my bill, let them, you know. Um, and I forget why I was bringing up that funny story, but it, it's like we, we don't realize what we have that's already paid for. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I think we have just a little bit more time, so let's read one more little section. Words are important. You may be praying for one thing and then speaking against it. You may be praying for restoration in your marriage, yet you constantly criticize, beat down, and speak negatively about your marriage on the other hand. You are releasing a negative spiritual force, death, that will counter what you're praying for. Even though God wants to move on your behalf and restore you're releasing a contrary spiritual force with those negative words. You need to be careful how you speak about your children. It's not wrong to state a fact. 
If someone asks, don't say everything is perfect when it isn't. You can say there are problems, but, and then counter it with what you're believing for. It's okay to say, here's the problem, but everything will work out. On the other hand, if you say, I'm believing God for a miracle, but, and then you start examining and explaining all of the bad things, you've just destroyed what you're trying to accomplish. It really does matter where you put your butt. Sometimes you just have to acknowledge the facts. Hey, I've got a problem. I'm fighting this sickness. But then you encounter it with the truth of God's word. But I believe I'm healed in Jesus' name. You need to be constantly aware of the truth that your words are either releasing life or releasing death. Don't just allow anything to come out of your mouth. Set a watch over your mouth and speak life. Psalm 141 verse 3. Because you will eat the fruit of it. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Proverbs 18.20 Every word you say out of your mouth is a seed that produces after its kind. If you are griping, complaining, and speaking forth all this negativity, then that's the kind of fruit you'll wind up eating from those words. If you are bitter in your heart, it started with you speaking for some things that you shouldn't have said. You can't keep a problem from coming. But you can keep those problems from dominating you by speaking forth the right, positive, word-oriented things. Your words are important. You know, and again, this is just it's so powerful, so uh, awesome. You know, we're talking again about believer's authority. And a lot of times we think of believer's authority or spiritual authority as spiritual warfare and praying. But this is believer's authority. Your words are important. The Bible says in Matthew 18, whatever we bound will be bound, whatever we loose will be loose. There's power in the tongue. And, you know, uh, and so uh, we can either release life or we can release death. And sometimes we are actually counterproductive. We're believing for our healing, but we're speaking negative about different things and our, our finances or our marriage or relationships, whatever the case may be. You know, we shouldn't be speaking negative. We have, we have no business doing that, first of all. But at the same point in time, you are actually cursing things by doing that. And that's not that's not good. That's not healthy. It's counterproductive. And so, uh, at the same point in time, we can release life. You know, I, sp- I try to speak life over my finances all the time. My body as well. My marriage and everything else, you know. And, and, you know, there's times, yeah, when we get in the flesh, and that's not right, that's not good. Uh, and so, the, therefore, sometimes we are counterproductive when we get that way, you know. Um, I was getting a little frustrated on the computer today, and, well, it was counterproductive, <laughs> you know. I should speak life over that computer, you know, not, not death, you know. I was trying different things. I was wrestling with a couple technicians to try to figure it out. And finally, I just felt, and the Holy Spirit said, why don't you just reboot the computer? <laughs> I reboot the computer and the problem solved. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit knows how to fix a computer. <laughs> and he just told me to reboot it. Sometimes we need to reboot our mind. We need to reboot our attitude. We need to reboot our mouth, you know. And so, um, uh, uh, it's... Uh, um, it's just powerful. Words are important. And, uh, you know, uh, and so, 
Um, you know, we just speak life over our marriage, our jobs. You might hate your job in a sense that that's not the line of work you want to do and different things. Speak life over your field. Speak life over your job, your boss. You know, there's certain things I don't like going on in our world, but we need to speak life over it. <laughs> and so I'm not saying we need to agree with it, but we speak life. And so I, I bless America. I bless this country. I know there's a lot of evil trying to take, take, take out this country, but I bless this country. I pledge allegiance to this country, to my God first and to my country second. But at the same point in time, I bless America. <clears throat> and, you know, you can do what, say what you want and do what you want in one sense, but I'm blessing it in the name of Jesus. And God, I trust in. And so anyway, you know, uh, uh, several days ago, uh, I had received some news that I wasn't uh, wanting, to to put it nicely. Um, and I I started. I mean, like within seconds, I started stewing about it. And uh, I was in the car. And so I, I was on my way home, you know, starting to stew over this, this piece of news when uh, the car in front of me had a license plate frame that I just, I started laughing, well, crying and laughing, but it said, no worries, God's got it covered. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just wanted to stop my mouth from speaking death over this, this news instead put my trust put my mind on god that he's got it covered and um, it just it was a wonderful reminder uh, for me in the moment to hey i need to speak life over this don't get caught up in it don't meditate negatively on it don't worry about it but uh, trust the trust the one who's got it covered and that would be god Amen. Well, we're out of time for tonight, so uh, we'll pick this up again next week. We're we'll in chapter four now, so anyway, we'll pick up there. So we do invite you to come back Sunday morning. We'll be resuming our series on knowing the Holy Spirit. I'm just about done with that, not quite, but got a couple more weeks yet left on this yet. Um, and then we have a Bible study on Sunday night on effortless change, which is talking about being in the Word of God. And so, Lord, we worship you. We exalt you. Teach us to guard our mouth. Teach us to value what we say and to guard our mouth. And so, and to guard our tongue. Teach us, Lord, that, 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 that our authority that we have in you. We worship you. We magnify you. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We bless our families. We bless our jobs. We bless our homes, our cars, our vehicles, our bosses, and we bless this country or whatever country you may be me at tonight. We bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys, and we'll see you on Sunday.